Well, as always, church, it is good to be with you. If you're new or visiting, my name is Tyler David. I'm the downtown AM campus pastor, one of our preaching pastors and elders here at the Austin Stone. We're glad that you're here. I want to say happy Father's Day to our fathers here. Um, we love you. We're thankful for you that we always get to make fun of you and you're cool with it. That's kind of what Father's Day is all about. And so we're glad that you guys are here. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Proverbs, to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be going through that for a time together. Uh, today we're in the second week, in the second week of a four-week series entitled The Pursuit of Wisdom. We're taking the month of June to look at the book of Proverbs and look at this idea of wisdom from God. That God has given us wisdom in the Proverbs. And so last week, the first week of the series, what we saw, what wisdom actually is. That God made the world in wisdom. That God made the world to work best in particular ways, particular actions, particular functions. That there is this, in the fabric of creation, this logic, these patterns that God has woven into it where life tends to work best. And it's this wisdom that we need in situations where morality doesn't help us. There are situations in your life that just simply being moral is not enough. That we need wisdom. And what we found out last week is that wisdom is not ultimately a teaching. Wisdom is not ultimately a teaching, but a person. A person named Jesus. That when God calls everyone to pursue wisdom, that is first and foremost a call to know him through the Lord Jesus. That's what wisdom is. He is the wisdom of God. That was last week. Wisdom in a person. Now this week is wisdom in decision making. This week we're looking at how are you wise in making decisions? That when you have multiple options in front of you, how do you determine what the best choice is? How do you not make a bad choice? And for those of us in here who love Jesus, you want to know, how do I make a choice that honors God? That honors the God that I love. And we could not as a people be in more desperate need for wisdom and decision making than now. Both as a society and as a church. See, we're in this unprecedented time where we have more options than ever. We have more options to choose from than ever in the history of the world. You look at anything in our lives, there are multiple choices for everything. You go, go to our grocery stores, for example, every single product has thousands of variations. I feel this every time I go and buy deodorant. I go to deodorant, I'm like, all right, which one do I want? There are 30 different brands with different um, scents and different um, incredible technology they're using. I get a power stripe or I could get one that releases pheromones or something like that. And, and we have all these options and you're like, I don't know what the best choice is. It can be debilitating. I look at the, the, the deodorants for 35 minutes. But I need to make a decision. Just pick one. It doesn't matter. And with all these options, how do you know what the best choice is? Now, in some ways, in some ways, it's a blessing, right? It's a blessing to have all of these options. But what some psychologists are finding is that for all the options we have and all the promise that it says having more options makes you happier, they're actually finding that's not the case. Actually, the more options you have, they're finding the less happy you are in actually making a decision. There was a study done back in 2000 where they did, they did this study and they saw the paralyzing effects, the paralyzing effects of having too many options. Let me read to you a quote about this study they did in the year 2000. It says, in an experiment examining the effects of choice on happiness, Ianger and Leper randomized individuals to either a group in which they could choose from 30 types of chocolate 
or a group in which they could choose from six types of chocolate. While subjects initially reported liking having the choice of 30 chocolates, they ended up being more dissatisfied and regretful of the choices they made than those only who only had the choice of six. So they did this study, they gave one group of people 30 chocolates, another people six. At the very beginning of the study, the people who had 30 chocolates thought, this is great, more chocolate, always a win. And so they have 30 different types. But what happened? There were so many types, when they got to the very end, they asked them, which one did you like best? They were like, I don't know, there are so many. And so for them, having all those options made it harder to choose. They were less happy to actually make a decision than those who just had six. It was very, very counterintuitive. See, the more choices you have, the more difficult it is to know that you're making the best choice. Am I missing out on something? Did I really remember that rightly? Is that really the best option? And so you make the choice, but you're dissatisfied. You're regretful. So it's a societal issue, but more than that, for us as a church, what I've seen is in the church, we are paralyzed sometimes to make decisions. Paralyzed to actually make decisions. And the reasons we're paralyzed are different than the world around us. Though we have the same amount of options in all these different categories, we are paralyzed for different reasons. Let me give you a couple. So you and I are paralyzed to make decisions because we think in the gray areas of life, with multiple options in front of us, we have this prevalent assumption that there's a godliest option. A godliest option. So there's three choices in front of you, and though none of them are sinful, we have this assumption that, well, one of them will make God most happy with me. Though the other aren't sinful, we still think there's one godliest option. So if I don't pick the godliest option, God's not going to be as happy with me as he could be. That's one reason we're paralyzed. We're also paralyzed to make decisions because we put way too much pressure on our decisions. We begin to think that my decision right here is going to define the rest of my life. The rest of my life is defined by this one decision. That everything you're hoping to do depends on this one decision. We're paralyzed in decision-making because we're waiting for a sign from God. This is prevalent in our church. That we have a decision, many options in front of us, and none of them are sin. And we think, well, other people have said God told them to do something, so I'm just waiting. Just waiting. And you begin to overanalyze every intuition, every conversation, every gust of wind, every upset stomach becomes, could that be God? Or is that a bad burrito? I don't know what it was. We're paralyzed for all of these reasons. And I can probably mention many more while we're paralyzed to actually make a decision. And I think the reason we're paralyzed in a lot of ways is because we just don't know how. We don't know how to actually make a wise decision. We, We don't have a good process to filter through all the different data points that go into making a wise decision. What we need is a process, a a, a process of some steps to put things through to help us make better decisions. Especially about those areas of your life where God has not spoken directly to in his word. And so here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you a four-step process. This is very different for us. Usually on Sundays, we normally don't preach this way, but we want to do something different this Sunday. We want to give you a four-step process to make wise decisions. I didn't just make these up. They're from the, the book of Proverbs in particular. You'll see that over time. And what the point of this, that these four steps to take your decisions through, the reason we're doing that is because I want to help us pursue wisdom practically. To pursue wisdom practically and follow Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This process is meant to help us trust the Lord, not ourselves. To trust his word, not ourselves. So here's the four-step process. I'm going to walk through these four, and that will be our time together. These are the four steps. Believe God's word. Listen to godly counsel. Do what you want. Ask for faith. Believe God's word. Listen to godly counsel. Do what you want. Ask for faith. Now, before I get into them, I have to emphasize two things. The order of this process is vital. The order is really important. If you skip the order, you, you circumvent it and you go a different way, I'm telling you it won't be as effective. It could be very unhelpful if you do that. And secondly, I have to be honest with you, this can't guarantee always a wise decision. You can go through this whole process and still find yourself making a terrible choice. But what this process does, what I, the way I think about it, it's, the, it's like bumpers on a bowling lane. This just keeps you from going in the gutter, that's it. I can't guarantee a strike, but I'm helping you not fall into the gutter with this process. So let's start going through them. Okay, the first step. The first step in making a wise decision is this. Believe God's word. Believe God's word. See, we start with his word because all wisdom starts with God, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom starts with a proper relationship and knowing of God. So this is where you take time to consider who is God? What has he said in his word? What has he said about himself, about me, about the circumstance, about our relationship, about his expectations on me? What has he said? And you start with the Bible. You start with what God has said. Why? Because if the Bible speaks to something, it is the most true data you could have. So in decision making, what we tend to do, we tend to start with things we don't know and work to the things we do know. That's not helpful. The best way to do it is to start with the things that you do know. Think of the things you do know, then work towards the things you don't know. And what we know in the word is that it's always true. It's breathed out by an infinite, eternal God. It's going to be true to whatever it speaks to. So we start with what is most accurate. So the first thing you ask when you're believing God's word, ask the question, is this sin? Really simply, does God's word forbid that I do the thing I'm thinking about doing? Now, if the answer is, yeah, I think this is sin, the process is over. It's over. The answer is no, don't do that thing. This process, is not, this process is not to help you think through should you sin or not. It's not this process is for. This process is not meant to help you think through to, to, to justify thinking or feeling or acting contrary to God's word. If God says it's sin, our response is to trust him. To say, okay, you got God, you alone know where life is and you're leading me towards life through your word. I'm going to trust you. See, God has set clear standards in the Bible, so this is not a process to begin to think through, okay, how, do I do, how far is too far with my boyfriend or girlfriend? It's in the process for that. That's not a wisdom issue. This, is, this isn't a process for you to think through, okay, should I really forgive them? It's not a process for that. God commands his people, forgive as you have been forgiven. So this isn't a process to determine, should I give anything away? The Bible says be generous. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a command. The Bible says repent and believe the gospel. This is not a process to determine if that's really for you. So if it's sin, 
This is not the process. If you're listening to this, you're like, well, what I'm doing is wrong. Well, just pay attention to the rest of the sermon. But if it's not sin, if you think about, okay, what I'm doing is not sin, then I want to give you three truths that are throughout the entire scriptures that are these narrative of the scriptures to help you think through how you believe in God's word in particular. So to believe in God's word for a decision that is a gray area of life, you go to God's gospel, God's sovereignty, and God's mission. Gospel, sovereignty, mission. You think through these three truths. These are incredible truths. You think about these things because they help you remember who you are. See, we don't like things that don't tell us immediately what to do. But working through these three truths, as you'll, I'm going to show you really quickly, it helps you see things more clearly in really practical ways. So the first thing you start with, you believe in God's word. You have a decision to make. First thing you do, go to God's word and remember his gospel. Don't, let's never be a people who assume, oh yeah, 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 I totally believe the gospel. Don't be that. This gospel that God made the world to work in perfect harmony for us to know him in joy forever. And guess what? You and I chose his stuff over him. We chose his stuff over him. And we lost everything because of those decisions. We lost relationships with one another. They're fractured and torn. We die now and we lost God and we had no way back. No way to know him. The only thing we had to look forward to was his wrath for our sin. But then God sent Jesus. He sent him to come after us. And Jesus came and he lived the life you and I should have lived. Think about that. All the places you failed, he was perfect. And then he went to a cross and died the death you and I should have died. And then he rose from the dead. Think about that for a second. He rose from the dead. That's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that if you trust in him, his death counts as your death. So you remember this gospel and what it tells you, what this gospel tells you before you make any decision is that Jesus has secured all the benefits of God, all the blessings of God, not you. It's secured by his work, not our work. And you remember this, you remember this because you're reminded that the things that are most true about you can never be taken away. You have to remember that, that what is most true about you in Christ can never be taken away regardless of the decisions you make. That's what the gospel says. See, through the gospel, God has given you an identity a hope and a joy that no unwise decision can take away. He's made you a child of God, a citizen of heaven, one loved by God. Those can never be taken away. And you can't add to them no matter how wise your decisions are. And what this does, because I have so many people who tell me that I'll, I'll preach that gospel to them and they'll say, well, that's not really helpful for me. It doesn't help make my decision, but here's what it does really practically. It takes pressure off of your decision. It takes pressure off because now your decision does not determine who you'll be and the joy you'll have. It doesn't. Because if you think, if you think that this choice is going to determine who you are as a person and the joy you'll have in the future, you better feel the pressure If it really is of that magnitude, then all that pressure is gonna make it hard to think rationally. The reason is there's too much at stake. 
The joy of your life is at stake, so now you can't think clearly. What the gospel does is removes that off the table so you can think through your situation clearly. This is why, this is why surgeons don't generally operate on immediate family members. It happens, but typically surgeons don't operate on immediate family members. Why? Because there's too much at stake on the table. There's too much at stake. One wrong move, their wife, their husband could die. What does that do? It clouds your thinking. You can't think clearly anymore. There's your identity, your hope, your joy. It's on the table. One wrong move, and I lose it. But what the gospel does, it takes the things that are most true about you off the table so you can see things clearly. It takes pressure off your shoulders. So you think about God's gospel. You believe God's gospel. Then you go to God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. You remember that over all of our decisions, over all of them, is a God who is working all things for our good. A God is moving all things according to his plans and his purposes, and he is in complete control over both your wise and your unwise decisions. And that for those who trust Christ, every decision, no matter what, God promises, I'm going to work it for your ultimate good. Now, the truth of God's sovereignty does not justify unwise decisions. So if you're like, well, he's gonna take care of me, do whatever I want, wee, like that's not the way to do it. God's sovereignty doesn't justify unwise decisions. You are still responsible for your actions. And what we always uh, kind of adage around the stone is God's kids are gonna learn one way or the other, either through wisdom or through discipline, but God's kids are gonna learn. They're gonna learn. So you can make unwise decisions, but you may experience discipline for them. God's sovereignty does not justify unwise decisions. And so what this does, in the same way of the gospel, it takes pressure off your shoulders. Remembering, okay, my decision does not dictate ultimately what happens in my life. And lastly, lastly in the God's word section, you consider God's mission. You consider God's mission. Can I tell you, when I, I've had so many conversations in God's gospel, God's sovereignty, people think through those lenses. I rarely rarely hear anyone in our church when they're making a decision think about God's mission. When Jesus rose from the dead, risen from the dead, before he sends into heaven, he gets his disciples together and says, hey, guess what? I'm leaving you here. You want to know why? Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The end of Matthew, Luke, John, beginning of Acts, all of it, they all emphasize the same thing. Jesus gets his disciples together and says, hey, I'm gonna go to heaven, prepare a place for you. I'm sending the, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Do you wanna know why I'm leaving you? For you to take this gospel, my death for you, to every type of person and every type of people all over the planet. So, when you're thinking about the decision you have to make, you have to think, how does this affect my ability to make disciples of Jesus? It's a command from Jesus. It's a command that we have to consider. So you have to know every relationship, every job, every opportunity in your life has to be filtered through how can I make more disciples of Jesus through this opportunity? See, your job matters to God. It does. Your marriage your kids, your friendships, all these things matter to him in and of themselves. They're not just cogs in a machine, but you have to know 
the reason for them being in your life is that the gospel will go deeper into the hearts of believers and the gospel will be preached at brand new time to a person who doesn't know Jesus and they would, be, they would come to Christ. That's why you have these opportunities. So the gospel can go forward. So this is the first step in making wise decisions, believing God's word. Can I tell you, it's the most neglected step. We assume it. Yeah, 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 I know the information, I get it. Let's move on to the real practical stuff. But I said believe God's word because it's not enough to just know these things. You have to believe them. You have to believe them. If you have anxiety, I will put money that you don't believe one of these truths. I'll put money on it. If you have anxiety that's overwhelming you, you're probably not believing God is in control over this. So let's not assume this step. Take time to believe God's word. It starts with God. If you don't pursue him, you have a very difficult time getting the wisdom you need. But here's what we do. We believe God's word. You've done that. Okay, I believe those things. God's gospel, his sovereignty, his mission. I believe it. Now what? Listen to godly counsel. Listen to godly counsel. One of the greatest gifts God has given his people are his people. So often we neglect or we ignore the collective wisdom God has given this room. The collective wisdom God has given his people. Listen to what Proverbs says about listening to counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. There is safety when people speak into your life and your decisions. Proverbs 18, 1 through 2. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When you isolate yourself, you don't let people speak into your life, it says you break out against all sound judgment. To your own harm. To your own harm. See, God distributes wisdom to his people in such a way that it typically comes through consulting other Christians. That whatever decision you have, you need to bring it before other people who know and love Jesus. And I'm emphasizing Christians, not because non-believers or those who are on the fence about Jesus can't, can't give good counsel, but you want to hear from somebody who prizes Jesus over everything, over everything. And so when you think about godly counsel, I want to give you three different spheres of people to think about. Three different spheres of people, of Christians to think about. The first... The first are family members and those who are around you most. Family members and those who are around you most. See, these people have the most knowledge about you. They know you the best. They've known you the longest. They've, they've been around you even for six months. If you've only known, known them for six months, they still know you pretty well. And these people, you want to bring your decision because they can tell you an honest perspective of yourself. They can let you know how your personality how your, your tendencies are affecting your decision making. They can tell you, hey, you know what? I've just noticed over the last couple months, you kind of jump onto every new bandwagon of everything. That every month you have a different dream of what you're going to do. Hey, I've, I've kind of noticed that you're not really following through with what you said you were going to do. Hey, I've, I've kind of noticed that you're really kind of admiring this person a little too much and whatever they say you listen to, these are the people who can speak into your life. So go to those people who know you best, who around you most. Secondly, 
Go to people in this church at large who have demonstrated wisdom in the area you're struggling with. Go to people in this church who have demonstrated, hey, they handled that in a wise way. Because listen, we have people in our lives who we love, who we love. They're our best friends, they're our family members. We, we wanna bring decisions before them, but there are some times you may have a struggle in an area not know what to do, and they're probably the person who has the least amount of wisdom in that area. Right, you're struggling with a relationship. Should I date this person? Should I marry this person? You may love a best friend of yours, but you're like, hey, you've broken up with four people in the last like four months. I don't know if you know what you're doing. Like, that's okay. Hey, I, I'm struggling with this job decision, and man, I see what you're saying, but I may go to someone else in the church because you can't find a job yourself. So I may just say, ask somebody else. It's not a bad thing. There are people in this church who have walked through these particular seasons that you're in who you can benefit from. You may not even know them. You need to seek them out. Ask around, hey, who is someone that's been wise in parenting, wise in investment, wise in whatever you're thinking about? Benefit from the larger church. And lastly, lastly, seek out your pastors and your elders. So you got your pastors and your elders. I can tell you that every single pastor and elder of the Austin Stone has been placed over this church to serve you. Let me just tell you, on behalf of the elders, I can tell you in my own heart, we love getting to be your pastors. I love it. It's a great privilege that you would entrust your souls to us and listen to the teaching of God from us. So I never want you to think that you can't reach out to us. Ask us what we think. And with the number of people in our church, we may not meet with every single individual, but we want to make sure someone meets with you. And so these are the, the three spheres of people, those closest to you, those who have demonstrated wisdom, and your pastors and your elders. Now, you don't need to go through every different one of these spheres in every decision. You don't. There are some decisions that are easy. You go to your missional community, they give you some counsel, you feel good about it, you go with it. That's fine. But here's what I'll say. The bigger the decision the more life-changing the decision, the more you probably need to go through all, different, all these three spheres of people. If you are going to change jobs and move your family across the country, you need to go through these three spheres. If you're going to marry someone and you're unsure, go through these three spheres. There's, no, there's nothing to lose, nothing to lose. And we'll close this section of listening to godly counsel with this. If you really want wisdom, if you really want wisdom, you need to listen most carefully when the people in these spheres disagree with you. You need to listen most carefully when people push back on what you want to do. Listen most carefully when people give you truth that's hard for you to hear. See, godly counsel is useless if you only want to hear people agree with you. This is one of the things that as a generation we struggle with, as a community we struggle with, is listening to counsel when it hurts a little bit. When people push back on us. And can I tell you this? People can be wrong. People can push back and be wrong and they can not be considering some particular information and they can have their own agenda for sure. But if someone in a community says something to you you don't agree with, don't dismiss it. Take it to somebody else and say, hey, I talked to my dad, I talked to my friend, I talked to my pastor and they said this, I don't agree with them, what do you think? What do you think? The people who 
Don't get wisdom in this process of the people who refuse to listen to any opinions contrary to their own. Listen to what Proverbs says about this. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. But a wise man listens to advice, especially when it's contrary to what you think. Especially. So, we believe God's word, listen to godly counsel. Here's the third step. Do what you want. Do what you want. Now, I know that feels incredibly unspiritual. Like, can that really be what the third step is, Tyler? Look at your notes. Like, can that really be the step? Do what you want. Now, can I tell you, if you haven't done the first two steps, it is unspiritual. If you don't go to God's word and God's people and you just do what you want, then yeah, that is unspiritual. But if you go to God's word, go to his people, then the question becomes, what do you want to do? The question really at this point, and you're thinking to make a decision, what do you want to do? Do you want to take that job? Do you want to move? Do you want to marry that person? Do you want to invest there? If the answer is yes, then do it. If the answer is no, then don't do it. It really can be that simple following Jesus in the gray areas of life. Church, you can make a wise decision without a vision or sign from God. You can make a wise, godly decision without a vision or a sign from God. See, so many of us don't want to make a decision until God tells us exactly what to do. So if you think that, you can go to God's word, go to God's people, and still be completely paralyzed to make a decision because you're waiting on this mystical moment where God whispers in your ear, here's what you do. We sit there waiting and waiting and waiting for that, and some of us never actually make a decision because we think it's not godly. We think it's not godly to just make a decision and do what we would like. Now, you may have times in your life You may have times in your life where God makes it abundantly clear you need to go this direction. There are times in our lives where that may happen where it's clear, if I don't make this decision, I'm probably searing my conscience and not following Jesus. That that happens. That happens. I know for me, like going into being a pastor, this was the process for me. I, I had read some scriptures and I had this kind of sense that I needed to go and pursue this thing. And that if I didn't, I wasn't following Jesus. That was... Six years ago. I haven't had a moment like that since. That It doesn't always feel like I have to do this thing. Those times will happen, but listen, that's the exception, not the rule. That's the exception, not the rule. The normal way God leads his people is as we pursue wisdom. The whole concept of wisdom in the scriptures is that there are normal ways, ordinary ways that God leads his people. That's the whole concept of wisdom in the scriptures. So he may supersede that from time to time. I'm not discounting that. But it's unhelpful. It's unhelpful if you think every decision you're going to make, God is going to show up in some powerful vision. That's not the norm. You read the book of Acts, you see God showing up in incredible ways, absolutely leading them in incredible ways, absolutely, but guess what? Acts is the ESPN highlight reel of 40 years. 40 years of very influential, important people whose decisions are affecting us today. Remember that. When you read something in Acts, you go, well, that should happen to me. Well, remember when this happened. Remember when that happened. That's Peter's Acts 10. Peter gets this vision. 
That's the only time we see Peter get a vision in Acts. He gets this one amazing experience in all of his life that we see. So let's not have the expectation that's an everyday thing. It's an out of the ordinary type of thing. And guess what? If that happens, you'll know. You'll know. But you need the expectation that it's always going to happen. You can feel the freedom to do what you want. You have the freedom in Christ. Once you've brought your decision under the authority of his word and the authority of his people, do what you would like to do. And once you make a decision, once you make a decision, you say, hey, I'm going this direction. Here's what you have to know. Making a decision means you will miss out on something else. We all have FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. We all have it. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. Because if you go one direction, you're necessarily not going other directions. That's what that means. You have to be okay with that, that you're going to only experience so many things in this life. You can't experience every possibility. You can't. I remember me, me and Lauren, um, we celebrated our five-year anniversary by going to New, to New York City. And New York City is incredible because they have so many amazing restaurants. And so we were asking people, hey, what do you recommend? Well, what does everyone say? You can't miss this spot. Well, guess what? 30 people had 30 different spots that we just couldn't afford to miss, right? So we're flying up there, and I'm getting anxious. I'm like, oh, what what restaurant do we choose? I want to choose a bad one. And sort of having all this anxiety about what restaurants we're going to eat at. Because I don't want to come back and say, hey, do you go to my spot? No. Like, why didn't you go? And so I'm thinking about this. We get to the hotel. Like, which ones are we going to choose? We have like 40 of them to pick from. Well, then we talk to our hotel manager, and we say, hey, what do you recommend? He pulls out a list of like 75. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I was getting a little anxious. of like, which one do you want to choose? And he had a great, just kind of some wisdom for us. He said, guys, there are 10,000 restaurants in New York City. You're not going to hit them all. Just pick a couple, and if you don't like them, that's okay. Just come back again. Stay here. Come back again. And try more out. And as simple as that is, it was good to remember, okay, I'm going to miss out on something. But that doesn't diminish what my choice was or my experiences. But you have to know the quicker you can accept that, the, the more confident you'll be in going a particular direction. Don't make fear of missing out make you do nothing. Don't make fear of missing out on a potential, okay, you got to choose a church where to serve. Just choose one. You got to choose a ministry. You got to choose a mission. You got to Make a decision, just go with it and see what happens. Don't let the fear of missing out and the fear of potential possibilities in another direction keep you from ever doing anything. So the three steps, believe God's word, listen to godly counsel, do what you want. Last step, we're done. Ask for faith. Ask for faith. So you've made your decision. You're going a particular direction and now you need faith to trust God because you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't. You can be the wisest person on this planet, you still don't know the future. You don't. You can look at trajectories, you can look at trends for sure, but no matter how confident someone may be, they don't know what God is going to bring because our decisions don't ultimately dictate what comes into our lives. God does. God does. And what you and I need is faith to trust him in his decision and what he decides to bring. This is what Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 16.1. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. He's directing it. 
Proverbs 16.9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. See, here's the sobering truth that I need you, if you've been checking out, listen to this. The sobering truth of wisdom is that you can make only wise decisions and still find yourself in dire circumstances. Remember, these are not promises. You can have some pretty bad theology if you think these are promises and you think, okay, I do only wise decisions, I get nothing but blessing. You can make only wise decisions and still wind up in suffering. You can make only wise decisions and all of your greatest fears come true. You can. You don't need to look any further than the king of the universe, Jesus himself. Matthew 12, 42, listen to the wisdom Jesus has. Jesus says, the queen of the south, this is an Old Testament figure, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Solomon wrote Proverbs. And the queen of the south was this woman who came from Ethiopia, traveled great distances to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And Jesus says, something greater than Solomon is here. He's saying, I have wisdom Solomon knew nothing about. I know more than the Proverbs. I am the wisdom of God. And he never made one unwise choice. He never made one choice that wasn't wise in the sight of God. And where did it lead him? To a cross. To a cross. So you can pursue wisdom and God still may lead you to a cross. There are some of you in here, you're struggling with this reality because in your mind you've made all the wise decisions. Why is your kid still struggling with this? I've made all the right dietary choices and they're still sick. I've done everything I know to do, God. Why am I still in suffering? You have to know we need faith to trust him no matter what he brings. Because he will bring us, some of you are in it, he will bring us into circumstances that we never wanted to be in. We never wanted to experience them for ourselves because we, we get it when we make unwise decisions that things may go bad. It's harder when you make a wise decision and things still go bad. You still lose your job. You still lose that relationship. You still have tremendous amount of heartache. It's in these moments we have to end with asking God for faith. There's a great quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says this, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. That when you're in circumstances where you don't understand how you got there, you don't understand what God is doing, you can't see his hand, 
that's when you need faith to trust his heart. Oh my God is good, he is sovereign, he loves me, he promised he'd be with me. I need faith to trust him. So when we make decisions, we believe God's word, we listen to godly counsel, we do what we want and we ask for faith. We go through this process so we would make the most wise decision we could, but this process is not our God. It's not. Our God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. This is what Proverbs says, we'll end with this. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel, can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Our job is to get the horse ready for battle. Make the best decision you can, but you have to know whatever happens on that field, whatever happens in my life, God is over it. Can I tell you, that's the best news in the world because this is the God who sent his son to die for us. Raised from the dead for us, reigns for us right now. And he promised to return for us. We can make wise decisions, but we, can I tell you, you'd rather have God. He's better than anything that we're hoping to get out of our decision making. He's leading us and guiding us as we pursue this wisdom. May he make us a wise people, but may he make us a people who long for him more than anything. Let's pray. Father, there are so many different situations and circumstances, God, where we need your help and your wisdom and your discernment, and God, we want to ask for it. God, in the multiple options in front of us and whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, God, would you give us wisdom? Would you let us believe your word afresh? Would you give us wisdom to listen to the counsel around us, to give us wisdom to know what we want and follow through with it? And God, would you give us wisdom to beg you for faith? Because God, the story of our lives, the story of your people, when we get to heaven and we see you finally face to face, God, we're not gonna look at our, the story of our lives and say, look at us, weren't we wise? Look at us, we got exactly what we deserved. No, God, what we're gonna do, we're gonna see you and we're gonna see the story of our lives and we're gonna say, you were faithful. That we made terrible decisions and you still blessed us. We made wise decisions and you still took us through suffering but you were with us the entire time. And in the new heavens and the new earth with new bodies, it will be clear that you were leading us the whole way. So God, what we need this morning is a vision of that moment, a vision not of necessarily what to do in our circumstance, but God, of who we're going to be one day with you. God, of who you are and how you reign and you are trustworthy. God, would you do that as we sing? We ask this in Christ's name, amen.
Church, let's stand together. Sing to our God.